facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Wonderful Thursday to you. I'm so happy that you're with me on The Kale Clark Show. 888-914-9149 is the number to call toll-free to talk to me. 888-914-9149. You can also find me on the x.com app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Big day today. Feast day of St. Matthew. Hey, have you ever had a Matthew party? Have you ever had one? You know, Matthew invited his friends, his sinner friends, to meet Jesus. Have you ever actually tried to do that at your home? Would you do that? Would you have the courage to invite a stranger into your home? Now, these days there there can be some some safety issues involved for sure. Heck, I, I can remember playing, you probably do too, playing freely in the neighborhood as a kid coming home when the streetlights came on. We can't really do that. And so this idea of inviting people that you don't know, is it's kind of a... Have you ever tried that, though? Have you ever tried to share the gospel in your home? Maybe tried to evangelize that way? It's part of our calling. It's part of our calling. And, and sometimes it's, it's a scary thing. But we've got to try. 888-914-9149. Lots of other great stuff coming up on the show. We're going to talk about what it really means to have the gift of hospitality. It is a spiritual gift that some people have kind of in a special way, but we all have to kind of practice this, and we'll talk about that as well. So I'm going to be sharing five myths about hospitality. And also, here's another another number, the number three, three ways that you can get healthy really quickly. I, I, I like things that are easy. I like things that are quick. I, we want we all want to microwave our health and our lives and, and do it fast. It's not always possible, but we're going to give you the best shortcut I've ever seen in order to do that from an NFL nutritionist. Can you imagine? Of course, it's Thursday night. Well, Thursday night football going on here. And uh, who knows? Maybe, it, maybe uh, when... Matthew invited Jesus to his home. Maybe that's what they were doing. I'm sure they were doing normal stuff, like maybe watching Thursday Night Football, San Francisco 49ers and the New York Football Giants. They're playing tonight. I don't know if they were playing back then. The Capernaum, I don't know. The Capernaum Wave Crashers. It's by the ocean. I don't know. I'm just coming up with stuff. Not not great. Not great. I won't be uh, uh, coming up with any team names. I won't be doing any marketing for the... The NFL, I don't think, anytime soon. But let, let's take a look at what today's gospel is from this feast day of St. Matthew. It's interesting. In Matthew chapter 9, and you can call in, by the way, if you got a question, comment, 888-914-9149. It says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, Many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, when Jesus heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners." It's kind of interesting because Matthew's gospel is really the gospel of righteousness. That's such a big theme. What is the righteous life all about? It starts off with St. Joseph, the righteous man. Because he was righteous, he did not want to expose Mary to any kind of disgrace. 
and he gets the message from heaven, don't worry, the child that she's conceived is from the Holy Spirit. I'm with you. I'm with you. Stay the course. Stay the course. And and I want to talk a little bit about what was really going on, by the way, at the, at this this party that, that Matthew had. And it's interesting because uh, he invites all his tax collector friends, all, all of his colleagues to the party. The words taxes and party don't usually go together. Um, hey, let's have a party and do our taxes. But when Jesus attended Matthew's party, one had to account, if you will pardon the pun, which is a terrible pun, for extraordinary things happening. Oh, Patrick Alog sitting in today producing. Uh, he, he's groaning. He's groaning. Um, that's okay. That's okay. You have to suffer too along with everyone else. And so we got a party on here with Matthew. What was really happening at this party? Okay. So Matthew is essentially so excited about being called by Jesus and about the, the fact that Jesus would would want to associate with him, which is quite frankly, not something you would expect because Matthew, he had a really good job. He had the kind of job that people wanted because it was quite lucrative to be able to get a spot collecting tolls for the Romans or collecting taxes for the Romans. But he was essentially hated by his fellow Jews who would have considered him to be a traitor. The hated Romans were occupying the Holy Land. How can you work for these guys? And so not everybody would talk to him. Let's put it that way. In, in public, and he would be shunned. But he, he certainly had his own friends who were maybe the rabble-rousers, if you will. So he invites his fellow tax collectors. But he was really good at his job. He was really good at his job, but he was, I think, very conscientious. We'll talk about that in a second. But when he invites his friends and he invites these quote-unquote sinners, known public sinners, to eat with him, and Jesus actually shows up at this dinner well, the Pharisees, they have something to say about this. And, and they actually ask the disciples of Jesus. Now, they're, they're with Jesus as well. It's not just Matthew. They're, they're, the other apostles are there too. And they ask the disciples, hey, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And who are these people, by the way? They're, they're not Gentiles. They're, they're also Jews. They're, they're Jews, some of them who, who, like Matthew, have been working for the Romans as tax collectors. They're basically not observing their Jewish faith as perhaps they ought to be. They're non-Torah observant. And we talked a lot about the, the law, the Torah, the law of Moses, along with Rabbi Jason Sobel. Earlier in the week, he was on the program. We had an honest-to-goodness rabbi uh, in the house, and we were talking about this. And a lot of people found this really fascinating. So what, what's happening with these people that were at Matthew's party, they were Jewish, but again, they were non-observant. They, they maybe weren't so... <laughs> Um, stringent, to say the least, about the food laws. And, you know, the Pharisees might have been saying, hey, what kind of party is this? I mean, do I see bacon bits in that Caesar salad over there? I mean, this is not kosher. So I guess the best way I could describe this for, for you and I today, it would be a little bit like throwing a party and inviting non-practicing Catholics. So that, that's essentially the, 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 the analog here. It's non-practicing Catholics. And we, we know pr plenty of people who are non-practicing Catholics. And so these are Jewish people who are not practicing their faith. Now, the great, the great thing about non-practicing Catholics is that they're only one good confession away from being right back in, in the graces of God, assuming that they've committed a mortal sin. They missed Mass. Uh, they missed Mass on a, whole, on a Sunday, Holy Day of Obligation. They've committed other sins. They haven't gone to confession. 
they need to be made aware of this, that, that they are serious sins. But if you're, if you're a baptized Catholic who's wandered away, you're only one good confession away from being right back in the game. And, and so it's kind of, it's easier in, in a certain sense to get back in. But now the, the other side of the coin is that you're one heartbeat away from facing eternity, right? So it's a sobering thought, but it's, uh, it's always easier in some ways, humanly speaking, of course, God can do anything. When you're looking at somebody converting from scratch, somebody coming from uh, maybe an atheistic background or an agnostic background, or and they just don't know anything about this, um, or they've been they they have a bunch of falsehoods that they've been that have been proffered to them about Catholicism. They don't, they don't have the real deal. Um, they've got a character of the faith in their mind. We need to disabuse them of those notions, or they're from another faith background, another religion. It, it's it's always more difficult to to convert uh, to convert uh, and and converts will tell you this if you're a convert to the faith you know this it, it can be a long and winding road but if you're a non-practicing catholic it's 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 simpler to get them back but it's also difficult too because a lot of them have been they, it's kind of like they've been inoculated against the faith you know they 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 hey it's the whole i went to catholic school for 12 years argument i know what i'm talking about but they haven't quite caught the real thing. So that's essentially the, the analog here, what's going on. These are these are non-practicing Jews, if you will, uh, who have been invited to this dinner. So they're not living up to maybe the, the moral law as, as Moses passed on the commandments, but also the traditions. Tradition, you know, it's, it's a little bit like Tevye, right? And the, the tradition is hugely important to the Pharisees. And they're like, look, actually, in a certain sense, they're kind of trying to protect Jesus. They're trying to protect Jesus here because they're basically saying, look, we know that you're a pretty prominent teacher, and we are kind of curious about your your message about the kingdom of God. The Pharisees were very, very close to Jesus in terms of what they believed. Uh, it was like two brothers having a fight. Yeah, they had a lot of fights in the gospel narratives. You can read about this. But the Pharisees do believe in the resurrection of the body. They do believe in all the, uh, the the books of the Old Testament, not like the Sadducees. The Sadducees only believed in the first five books of the Bible, and that's it. Uh, so a lot of these clear verses about resurrection that come later, they don't, they don't buy into it, like the book of the prophet Daniel or, or in the book of Job, for example. So harder to convince those guys in certain ways. The Sadducees are in control of the temple, the high priesthood. It was a Sadducee high priest, Caiaphas, who put Jesus to death with Pilate's help. But the Pharisees, yeah, they did fight with Jesus about stuff, but they, they also want to kind of protect him. They're looking out for him in a certain way. Hey, why are you hanging out with these people? Don't, don't you understand that you're putting yourself in kind of danger here because you might accidentally eat something that these guys are eating that's not kosher. And if you're hanging out with these quote-unquote impure people, then that, that might just kind of rub off on you in a, in a, in a certain sense. So what are you doing? What are you doing? And that's why Jesus kind of gives them this line. He says, those who are well, who are healthy, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. That's certainly true of physical health. What about spiritual health? The doctors clearly go to those who are sick, not those who are healthy. And um, here, this, is, this is an important point, because in, when Jesus said this, and I think this is part of the problem. This is what's missing in a lot of efforts to share the faith with other people. Jesus actually, he, he, he knows these people are not right with God right now. 
he, he, he regards them as sinful as well. He says, look, they're, they're sinners. They're, they're not in a good place right now spiritually. They are sick. They're sick. So he's not saying, he's not blessing what they're doing. He's not, he's not, it's a little bit like the woman caught in adultery. He doesn't, he doesn't justify the behavior. He says, go and sin no more. And he, so whatever they're into, he's not saying, oh, it's fine. You know, so this is what we have to take away from this as well. He doesn't leave them in the state that they're in. He's not okay with habitual sinfulness as a lifestyle. He says they're sick. So this is really, really important. So it's, it's also interesting what, what kind of Matthew adds in here. And uh, in, um, in Mark's version of this, Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous but sinners. But Matthew says, he, he, he adds something else that Jesus said. He said, go and learn what this means. And he's saying this to the Pharisees. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Where is this coming from? Why, why is he saying this? Aren't we supposed to make sacrifices for God? Well, actually what this is, is it's part of an Old Testament verse. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, where it says, I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. And in the Greek version, it says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So go and learn. That's why he says, go and learn what this means. This is what the rabbis taught. Go and learn. Uh, there's a famous statement from Rabbi Hillel. You probably heard about the school of Hillel and the school of Shammai, two famous rabbis. Well, Rabbi Hillel, maybe just for the Hillel of it, he said, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. That's the whole law. The rest is commentary. Go and learn it. So that's what Rabbi Hillel said. What's hateful to you, don't do to somebody else. That is the whole law. The rest is just details. So go and do it. So Jesus might have said, you've got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole, that's the, that's the law and the prophets. Go do it. The rest is commentary. So go for it. Go and do. Go and learn. Go and read. Take up and read. And so, so he really wants wants the Pharisees to understand what's what's in play here. He's implying that maybe their knowledge isn't quite right either. He's constantly saying to them in Matthew's Gospel, "Have you not read?" I mean, they need to get a deeper understanding of Scripture. But he's also not leaving people where they are, and this is a a big big part of what he's doing with Matthew here too. And and what's great about this is that, you know, we have to ask ourselves, are we like Matthew? Are we excited enough about Jesus to want to tell other people? He's pumped about this. We're, we're so willing to tell people, hey, I tried this new restaurant. I love it. You got to check this out. Or have you heard this new band? We're very, very eager to share things that we love. Are we just as excited about our faith? And got to think about that because God wants to call the friends that we have as well, because we've really got to do two things. God call, calls us in the Catholic faith really to do two things. We've got to seek holiness and do apostolate. That's the Catholic faith in a nutshell. If you want to boil it down to two things, got to become saints. Anybody in heaven is a saint. So it's not optional. It's not optional. In Hebrews, it says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So we've got to become saints. And you can listen to the saints from the Merry Beggars, some great examples for our lives. The Saints of the Past are going through those. It's a great series, especially for young people. Check it out on the Relevant Radio app. But we've got to become saints ourselves, canonizable saints, and we've got to help other people to do the same. That's really what apostolate is or evangelizing. It's becoming a saint and helping other people to become a saint. 
It's very, very simple. Part of that is introducing others to Jesus because we, we don't do this ourselves. Ourselves, Christ makes us saints. And it's very, very important. And what I, what I would like to think is that Jesus saw Matthew and he might not have been a great candidate, humanly speaking, just looking at what he was doing. He's not observing the law. He's working for the Romans. But he sees something in him. And maybe it's the way he was working. Maybe he was just really, really good at his job. He obviously, Jesus calls him in the middle of his work. And there's a lesson there as well. We need to meet Christ wherever we are, in our workplace, at our cubicle. He's there. And we have to learn to find Jesus everywhere. In normal circumstances, we're not going to find him at all, as St. Jose Maria used to say. And so he was in the place where he was supposed to be. He was at his desk. And that's and he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was actually working. He was doing his work. He wasn't out shooting hoops with the fellas. He wasn't scrolling social media. He was focused on his task. And maybe he was really good at it. Maybe people didn't respect him for what he did, but for those reasons I mentioned earlier, but maybe he was a good pro, a good professional. And, and Jesus says, I can work with this guy because grace always builds on nature. This guy had some good human qualities that I can take advantage of. And if I add that supernatural life to what he's already got going, then we've really got something here. And what did he do? Look at, look at what Matthew did. The, the gospel of Matthew is a document that's affected the lives of billions of people, including you and me. And we have to understand that God's got a great plan for us as well. And, and our plan is just as important to God. His plan for your life and my life is just as important to God as his plan for Matthew was. Because we have a tendency sometimes to look at those in leadership and think, well, you know, God only has a plan for them. God, God only has big time plans for people in leadership or known entities. The Pope, you know. Famous theologians like Scott Hahn, writers, influencers. Um, listen, God does have a plan for them. People like Father Rocky, very important. We need to pray for these people. But guess what? In God's eyes, his plan for you is every bit as, as important as his plan for Father Rocky's life. And what he wants to do in your life is, is equally as valuable in God's sight. So it's crucial that we respond to that call and, and be obedient like, like Matthew was. And it was interesting because he, yeah, I think he met Jesus before. People ask the question, did he just like jump up from the desk and just leave it all behind? Well, he was detached for sure. He was, he, he was able to go when the right moment came. When God called, he didn't say, let me think about this next week. I've got some holidays coming up after tax season. It's going to slow down quite a bit. Then I can kind of think, no, no, no. He went when he was called. Because sometimes if we miss that call, if we miss that moment, and you, maybe you've had a moment when you knew God was speaking to you and you didn't, you didn't jump. And, and if the great thing is God in his, in his mercy sometimes gives us a second chance. But when he does, you've got to take that opportunity it, because this is, this is divinely ordained for you. This is the time, the place. And sometimes God calls people when they're young. Sometimes God calls people in, in their twilight years in their golden years. And those can be incredibly fruitful on, on the back end. But whenever the time comes, we, we have to be listening we have to be listening. We have to help others to, to be able to listen to that call, too. So let's, we'll talk a little bit about this uh, after the break. Th this whole idea of having a Matthew party. Have you ever done this? If you've ever done this, I want to hear about this. And how did it go? Some of your adventures, 888 We'll be right back on The Kale Clark Show right after this.
Our sponsor, Charity Mobile, where 5% of your monthly plan price goes to Relevant Radio or another pro-life charity of your choice. New customers can mention Relevant Radio to receive a free phone. More information at CharityMobile.com. Hey, you know who's a party man? I'm talking about Matthew. By the way, that was a great song by Prince on the original Batman soundtrack, 1989. How about that? It was for Jack Nicholson's Joker. But but maybe a lot of jokes were flowing um, at the Matthew party that happened, uh, as mentioned in today's gospel. Matthew inviting all of his friends, all of his buddies from work. Hey, you got to meet this guy, Jesus. You you absolutely have to meet this guy. And he, and he really practiced great hospitality. And this is something that we we're all called to practice. It's It's really not that well understood. I'm going to be sharing some myths about this, um, help us to understand this a little bit better. So if you have any questions about this, give, give me a call, 888 could be off topic as well. You might want to talk about something else uh, that's on your mind, question that you have, comment, 888 Miranda is standing by to take your call right now. So let me actually break down this word for you. What does hospitality mean? Well, in the Bible, of course, the Bible was written in Greek. And by the way, it's a sidebar question here. It's a really interesting question about Matthew's gospel. Was, it, was there a Hebrew original copy of Matthew? It's intriguing because there is an early church tradition. Irenaeus writes about this. Um, a guy named Papias wrote about this. Did Matthew actually write in Aramaic, sort of the street language of Jesus and the, and the disciples, or maybe in Hebrew? Because we know the gospel that we have in the New Testament now is, is in Greek, and maybe he did one in each language. That, there's, there's a precedence for that, by the way. Josephus, the great Jewish historian, he wrote a copy of his Antiquities in Hebrew and also in Greek. So may, maybe, I don't know, but Matthew certainly wanted to reach his fellow Jews, his friends, and he tried to do that with the, with this party that he threw. And here's what, what hospitality, the word in Greek in the New Testament, it's philoxenia, philoxenia. And if you break that down, it's really two words in Greek. Philo, which comes from philios, which means love. Think about Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's where we get that from. So philo and then xenia. You probably heard the word xenophobia, fear of the stranger. Um there's a lot of xenophobia out there. <clears throat> and so it's really, so philoxenia is love of the stranger, love of the stranger. So that, that's, that's really what hospitality really is. Now, what about, what about in Latin? Of course, you know, in the Catholic Church, Latin became the dominant language. It's kind of interesting because the, the word has, in Latin, is a little bit different. Um, hospitality, which our English word also has roots in the Latin terms, hospes, which, which really means hospital in Latin, hospes. So really hospitality means a home for strangers, a home where there can be healing. And that's really what was going on in Matthew's place. People were being healed. They were being welcomed by the God man. They were, they were, they were, he was happy to be there with them. And I'd imagine they weren't necessarily talking about overtly spiritual things, at least at first. Maybe they, maybe they were. Maybe these deep conversations happen. 
but I think at first probably it was very, very natural. Hey, this wine is really good. Where did Matthew get this from? I don't know. I heard it was left over from this wedding at Cana. There's some leftovers. It's apparently really amazing. Yeah, I'd like, like to get some of this. Um, maybe they were watching football. Maybe they were just chatting about what was going on in the world and in their professions. A little, little uh, shop talk, if you will, from the, from the tax offices. The new tax code, the new Roman tax code. I don't know. But, but it's, it's interesting because there is something to do with when, when you are welcomed, when you know that you're welcomed by God and, he, and he's looking for you, you can find healing. And, and he, he wants to use us to help other people to find him as well. And this is all over the New Testament. It's kind of a, an overlooked theme of hospitality. In St. Paul's letter to the Romans, he says, we are to be given to hospitality, Romans 12, 13. We, we have to not forget, not neglect hospitality. St. Peter says this in, in his first letter, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, use the gift of hospitality one person to another without grudging. Don't, don't be grudging here. Go for it. Like, use this gift. In the letter to the Hebrews, I mentioned Hebrews earlier, it says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For in doing so, many have entertained angels unawares. And that's a reference, of course, to Father Abraham, that the three mysterious visitors, the angelic visitors that came to see him, he thinks are just you know, humans. He gives them a meal and he's actually entertaining angels. So don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. So there, there is healing that can happen. And that's what was going on in Matthew's house. And there's, an, there's another thing that we can learn from this as well, that people are really, really lonely. You know, they've done some surveys in the United States. 40% of Americans, this is, this is incredibly sad, 40% of Americans have no one that they can share, like nobody they can confide in, nobody who, who they would consider a true friend, zero, zilch. There, there's a lot of loneliness out there. And so we, we can really help people be that listening ear and, and, and take the time. We have to be willing to kind of waste time with people, if that makes any sense. We, we always want to, we, you know, time is money. And, and, but one of the things that Jesus did was he was willing to, quote unquote, waste time, which is never really wasting time. It's investing. It's investing in that person, our family, of course, first of all, our, our friends, but they, these dinners that would take place in, in the first century world of Jesus, they they would go on for a long time. It, they weren't on the clock. You know, hey, lunch break is only from 12 to 12.30 and you got to be back at your desk. Or, you know, hey, we, it's it was sort of a lingering affair. And I have to actually kind of laugh because I, I went, one of the times I was in the Holy Land, I went to this place called Nazareth Village, which was supposed to be a reconstruction of what Nazareth might have looked like in Jesus' day. And when you go into the house, what the houses were like, and they, the way they had the table set up, I had to kind of chuckle because they had wooden tables and chairs. And the idea is the carpenter, St. Joseph, would have made something like this with his apprentice, Jesus, you know, in, the, in their carpentry shop. They're making wooden tables and chairs. They weren't wooden tables and chairs. That's not actually the, what the furniture they had. They would have had more stone tables. And it would have been down by the ground. It would have been very, very low very low, like lower than a coffee table. And so what people would do is you would actually lie down. You would recline at table. That's why it says they reclined at table. Think about the Last Supper. 
and whoever's in the, in the position of honor would kind of, and you kind of, you kind of lean on your elbow. It's kind of like you're lying on your side, you're propped up on your elbow and you use your other hand to, to dip, dip your morsel into the dish, you know, into the, the sweet and sour sauce or whatever on the, on the table. And, and so if you're close to the host, that's a position of honor. So think about the last supper, the first mass. Well, what do we have here? John, who's the beloved disciple, he's close to the heart of Jesus. And, and he's kind of got this inside, you know, he's really, and so Peter, ha, they have to actually get worried. Hey, can you please ask John, who's going to betray, you know, who, which one of us is going to betray? Get John, ask him. You're really, really close. So, and he kind of move out to the outside and, and Jesus talks about this idea of banquet parables and Hey, if you're, if you're invited to this banquet, don't sit up at the front because it's going to be really embarrassing. If they, if your host says you, you your table's actually at the back and then you got to slink to the back in front of everybody, sit at the back. And then your host will say, friend, what are you doing back there? Move up here. Give you a position of honor. So everybody be kind of laid out and, and they'd be kind of on the ground. There's pillows or whatever. And, and that's kind of, kind of what it's, what's, what it's like. And, and, and so they would just kind of chill out and, and chat and, and take the time. And it would be a very, very good time, I think. And so what are some ways that we can kind of do this? How can we practice the gift of hospitality? 888 Have you ever kind of tried to throw a Matthew party? Well, here's one idea. I mean, you're eating anyways. You're eating three squares a day, hopefully anyways. Why not do it with other people? Why not incorporate it into your routine? Maybe invite a friend or, or, or a colleague or someone to, to share a meal with you, whether it's at home or on the road. I don't know, just, just one idea. Maybe you have your own as well. And I've got some others too. 888 Let's go to Joe in San Francisco. Hey, Joe. Hey, Kyle. Um, a few things. Um, I've been hospitable, thank God, all my life. And That's I've good. had... So many people so suspicious of it. Hmm. So after I got married, I was married for, uh, well, I'm still married, but after about six or seven years of marriage, my youngest brother-in-law said to me, he says, you know, Jill, I got to tell you something I've, I've never told you. He said, I always thought when I first met you, you're like an Eddie Haskell. <laughs> and I was always suspicious. And I think to myself, is this guy for real? And it's took me all these years to say, man, you're the real deal. And I admire hmm. you and respect you. When mm. people come into my um, uh, my uh, place of work, I have water, sodas, energy bars, chips, cookies, and things like that. <laughs> and I've had customers say to me, do you, do you treat everyone like this? And I say, yes, I do. They say, God, it's so extraordinary. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for this gift. So several years ago, I was taking care of an uncle who was very, very sick. And my uncle was expecting this man uh, to come to his house. And um, this man was super wealthy. And it didn't matter whether he had money or not, but he happened to be super wealthy. Mm -hmm. And I knew he was coming over. So I went to the ba local bakery and I got some assorted cookies. And uh, so he comes in. I said, hi, Mr. Mariani, how are you? And he said, fine. I said, would you like some coffee, tea? And I said, I got some cookies for you. And he looks at me. He said, kid, you're never going to have anything your whole life. You just can't give things away for free. Hmm. That's interesting. It's and good. this is the mindset. What it is, Kyle, it's a poverty mentality. Because if you give something away, it means you don't, you have less. So mm -hmm. these are yeah. like uh, models or examples I've had through my life. It hasn't changed my behavior, but yeah. it's so interesting, the mindset.
that that is a, that is a great point. A lot of people have this mindset of you know there's only so many slices of the pie to go around, and if I give you one, there's less for me. Whereas really, God kind of wants to multiply, like like the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, and and we will never be outdone in generosity by God. There's 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 no question about that. We'll never be outdone in generosity by God and. Joe, I think you mentioned a Mr. Mariani. I don't know if it was Drew Mariani or not, but uh, probably not. No, no, no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead, Joe. One other thing. One other thing, very quickly. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, so I had. So every Christmas, I have a friend of mine who gives me mm-hmm. two bottles of wine, and they're very nice quality wine. And I hardly drink wine, but every now and then I do. So one, I had no idea the cost of this one particular bottle mm. and I had it for years. And so this bottle was over a thousand dollars. Wow. So what happened was, uh, these friends that I was getting together with one night, he said, Hey Joe, you have that friend that's real wealthy. He was giving you the wines. And I said, yeah, I said, he still gives me a couple of bottles of wine every Christmas. And he said, well, get, let me know some of the bottles. So I went through some of the bottles. He says, you have XYZ, this particular bottle from Italy. And I said, yeah, would you bring it tonight to, for dinner? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Well, what happened, Kyle, I brought it to dinner. We went to this real nice restaurant. The bartender sees it. He said, my God, do you have any idea how much money that bottle's worth? I said, yeah, I, I found out. So what happened was at dinner, I asked the waiter, there was two, two of my guests, I asked the waiter for five glasses. And my, one of my friends looks at me and says, why five glasses? I said, I want to share this bottle. So the bartender wow. commented on it. The waiter commented, and I'll have a little bit. He said, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm sharing. And he just didn't get it because he basically wanted a yeah. hoard. That bottle's for us, the three of us. What are you doing sharing? Mm. And I thought, wow, you just don't get it. So I'm thankful, Kyle, wow. to be like this my whole life. It's a blessing and a gift. Well, Joe, it, it it really speaks to detachment as well, and and I think it's a it's a great yeah. great human quality. I, I appreciate that. Thanks thanks so much for the call, Joe, in San Francisco. That was you call, call call back any time. And yeah, I just want to run through really quickly. There there are some big big myths about hospitality that, that people have, and one one of the the big myths out there is that the New Testament does speak of hospitality as, as a special spiritual gift. And you can call in as well, 888 if you want to tell me about, maybe you had a Matthew party, you invited your friends and somehow got them to meet Jesus, whether through you, the Jesus in you, you talk to them about Christ, and maybe invite them over to watch an episode of The Chosen or something, or who knows, or for the family rosary across America, have a little party. But at any, at any rate, there's this kind of mindset out there that, yeah, it's a spiritual gift, but it's for other people. I don't have that gift. That That's for somebody else. Don't forget, Peter, what he said, our first Pope, First Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So just like Joe was sharing his $1,000 bottle, bottle of wine with people, uh, almost indiscriminately, we, we have to share our gifts as well, because the, the gifts that we have been given by God are for the people of God. They're, they're for the world. They're not just for us. And so um, whether you have a, a special spiritual gift of hospitality, but we all have to practice it. We, we can't get off the hook here. 
And, and it's for guys too. This is the second thing that we need to know. It's also for guys because First um, Timothy chapter 3. Now, this is sort of a, a directive to early bishops of the church. It does refer to some bishops were married. There's no question about that historically. Um, now, there's, there's a big argument that when they were called, they were expected to be celibate from that point. That's another show for another day. But here's what uh, St. Paul writes to Timothy. He says, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, that's bishop, the episcopos, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, and so on, and so on, and so on. Now, the husband of one wife thing, that simply means you, you couldn't be a bigamist. You can be uh, somebody who'd been married multiple times or <laughs> to more than one woman at the same time. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't mean that the wife was still living necessarily or these could be widowers. Um, that, that, that's, what, that's what it means. That what, that's what it means. So... At any rate, um, even these guys in the early church were, were expected to, to practice hospitality. And it's not, and another thing people think, too, is I, I just I don't have a nice enough home. This is this is a big problem. People think I don't have um, a great dinnerware set. Um, I'm kind of embarrassed to have people over. Uh, my house looks like, um, I don't know, a cross between a frat house and and, uh, you know, stuff I've inherited from my parents. Okay, which is essentially my house, essentially. But uh, come on over. Oh, you'll be like, oh, my goodness. Um, but having said that, um, St. Paul, think about St. Paul. He was under house arrest in Rome. Probably wasn't the nicest decor. He still had people over all the time. At the end of the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 28, it says, he lived there two whole years at his own expense. He's under house arrest, and he still has to pay rent, adding insult to injury. And welcomed all who came to him, and, and people would come to him. They, they, I want to meet Paul. I want to, I want to check things out. Patrick A. Like saying people should at least clean their homes. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, but but don't start where you're at. Start where you're at. Don't wait for some mythical future where you're going to have everything all together. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. All right. The, myth number four. This is something that Jesus dealt with himself. This is the idea that if you do hang out with people who are living a sinful lifestyle, you don't want to do that because other people get the wrong idea. They'll think that you approve of this, approve of their lifestyle. All right. This is a big one. This is a big one. In fact, it's so big. I have to say this for after the break. We've got to take a quick break. 888-914-9149. Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Be right back. Our sponsor, Charity Mobile, where 5% of your monthly plan price goes to Relevant Radio or another pro-life charity of your choice. New customers can mention Relevant Radio to receive a free phone. More information at CharityMobile.com.
Hey, I remember, and it is the 21st night of September. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Been waiting all month to play that song at this time. And uh, speaking speaking today with some old friends of the show, Karen Moran, who used to be the co-host of the Family Rosary with Father Rocky, associate producer at Relevant Radio, used to uh, we used to, she used to dance a lot to this song uh, on this on this show. And uh, Lucas Holt as well reached out to me and and. Lucas, remind me, I actually reposted this on my x.com account on the Twitter app, which is now known as x, at Kale Clark is my handle. A collection of September songs that we used to play every time during this month. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So thanks, Lucas, for that. I appreciate that so, so much. Hey, you know what else we're doing this month, starting this month? And you're going to get something new every week for the next 33 weeks. Have you heard about our new series, Eucharistic Encounters? It's a video series with Father Rocky. The first one has just been released today. So you're going to want to get in on this. This is actually going to be a really, really beautiful series. And they are powerful accounts of real lives that were changed by the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, as told by Father Rocky. He goes to some of the most uh, beautiful churches in the Chicagoland area and perhaps elsewhere. And they're all filmed on location. Really kind of highlights the beauty of our Catholic faith and the truth of the Eucharist. So you'll get a new video every week for the next 33 weeks. And it's commonly thought that Jesus was 33 years old when he was crucified, buried, and resurrected. And so this is very poetic. It's very poetic. You can deepen your love for Christ in the Eucharist and sign up for this free series. Get it delivered to your inbox at relevantradio.com slash encounter relevantradio.com slash encounter. So the first one just came out today, and there's a Canadian connection. I I appreciated this. It's about a guy who wanted to go fishing in Canada. I'm not going to spoil the rest, but you're going to want to check it out. But I will will share this with you, though. I will share this with you. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. I got a great text from my friend Pat. Who and he he said this he found he he found out about about the Eucharistic Eucharistic Encounters videos today Here, here's how it happened he said he was getting really frustrated because he said many people who work in parishes or who, who are kind of volunteering in parishes and they're involved and they're involved with the Eucharistic revival because remember all of this is leading up to the National Eucharistic Congress next July in Indianapolis and we're right in the middle of this and and. We, when you when you sign up, by the way, at relevantradio.com slash encounter, not only can you sign up for these videos by Father Rocky, but you can find out about our travel plans. We're partnering with Nativity Pilgrimages to get you there in the best way possible. And anyways, my friend Pat texted me and he said, hey, many people in the parishes, they're involved with Eucharistic revival and they're frustrated because they're not seeing anything coming from their local diocese, from, from their priests. Nobody's talking about the Eucharistic revival. And so he, he said, I was thinking, you know, Relevant Radio could really drive this forward, really drive this movement of Eucharistic revival. And he says, then what do you know? I opened up the Relevant Radio app today and boom, he sees the first video, Eucharistic Encounters with Father Rocky. And he says, Kale, sometimes I think Father Rocky has magical powers. He, it's like he read my mind and he provided exactly what we needed. He sure did. So check this out. Once again, relevantradio.com slash encounter. 888 is the number to call for the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Rudy in Orange County. Hi, Rudy. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Doing well. What's uh, what's on your mind, uh, sir? 
Well, when I used to work at an amusement park in Anaheim, I don't know if I should mention the name or not. <laughs> I think we know what it is. You're talking about okay, Disneyland, right? Yeah. You got it. And I used to do potlucks for the cast members. Remember, they call them cast members, not yeah. employees. So, And we used to do on the back. And what happened in the past was, oh, this potluck is only for this department. This, And it's like, why are we doing this? Hmm. So I used to just open it up for all the different departments. We had the George Foreman grill, so we didn't have to worry about the fire department being <laughs> there. And I had a sign-up list of people for the ingredients because they would go, what do you need me to bring? What do you need me to? I go, you know, sign up, whatever you need, this is the thing. And I would ask for a $3 donation. I mean, I, I'd never enforced a donation. I've had people, oh, I don't have any money. It's like, mm-hmm, you know what? Mm-hmm. Yep. Go ahead, just. Have your food. Don't worry about it. And that was one thing I always did. The other thing with my crew members, I would say, like, okay, road trip. Let's go to the catering truck. And we would get the (laughs) drinks. I would buy them the drinks. And people ask me, it's like, well, why do you do this? How how Mm. come? And I've always told them the gospel of Matthew, what you do for the least, you do for me. When you Mm. separated the goats and the sheep. And that's the one that I always followed. Yeah, that's I love that. I love that. This whole idea, hey, the gospel is a free gift that's given to us. And when, and when we give something to somebody else, it's why, why people are so suspicious. They're, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. somebody else highlighted this earlier, calling and people are naturally suspicious of anybody who gives something away. They, they, they think there's got to be a catch. There's got to be a catch. And it was funny because one of the girls from merchandise, she goes, you know, since you've done all these potlucks, the other departments now talk within each other. Because before it was like merchandise was one, attractions was another. But because of my potlucks, they actually started intermingling with each other. Yeah, it's interesting. So it kind of created community there, almost like what Matthew did. And it's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. too, because Disney is well known for their hospitality, for for the way that they make their guests feel welcome. Um, and so it, it's intriguing. I think there's, there's a lot of parallels here that we can learn from this. So, Rudy, thank you so much for that call from Orange mm-hmm. County. Really, really appreciate that. Just wanted to finish off real quick, um, and this, these are, by the way, courtesy of the author, Rosaria Butterfield, talking about these myths about hospitality, the gift of hospitality. It's not just, yes, it is a spiritual gift, but we all kind of have to, to practice it. I, I wanted to follow up on this point that, you know, we we got to be careful about being hospitable to known sinners. We don't want to be seen hanging out with known sinners because people will think that we're in approval of what, what they're doing. It's interesting what the New Testament actually says about this. People that we're not supposed to show hospitality towards, false teachers. Second John chapter, yeah, if you look at Second John 10 and 11, verses 10 and 11, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, the, the correct teaching of the gospel, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. That's how it was sort of seen in the first century. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, St. Paul says, he basically says, look, if, you, if you're going to separate yourself from sinners, you're going to have to leave this planet because we're surrounded by sinners. We have to actually reach them with the gospel. You've got to have, if you're going to have impact, you've got to have contact. Uh, thinking about these, this food, these meals, I don't know if they ate McDonald's french fries. One of the things that makes fries so good is the salt. The salt, we're the salt of the earth, right? We have to come in contact with the fries. You know, that's where the flavor happens. And we got to be in contact with these people. But St. Paul says, what I'm actually telling you is don't associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. You know, he's actually a member of the church. If he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. 
For what have I to do with judging outsiders? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. So he's basically talking about people who are living such a life that's so sinful, so apart from what Christ wants, that they, they really should be excommunicated. And, and so what these folks need is almost a, a tough medicine. And and so sometimes we can be very, very delusional and think I'm in good standing when, when really like take take do an examination of conscience. When's the last time you've done that? Maybe we need to go back to the throne of grace. We need to go back to confession here. And so that's that's an important thing. And and the other thing too is is that we I would say just in closing here, and this is something Butterfield says as well. One of the reasons why we don't do hospitality is because we're afraid that people will see us for who we really are. They'll, they'll say, "Oh my goodness, this guy has problems." Like, I mean, you, if you if we if you take the time to get because we kind of wear masks at times, but when people are with us in our home or maybe in a social setting, the more time they spend with us, they think this person's not perfect. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing because we aren't. We aren't, and we are all on this journey together of of trying to go from strength to strength, and we don't have it all worked out. And I think sometimes it's good for people to see that, hey, we are, we're struggling too, like we're struggling to love God, and and we're not quite there yet. You know, we're saints in the making, and um, hopefully we're all living saints, but um, it's a process. It's a process, and even the holiest among us are still grinding away with the help of God. Of course, God's doing the heavy lifting here. But anyways, don't let that discourage you. Don't let that discourage you. And I hope that this show has been encouraging for you as we think about St. Matthew and his excitement for spreading the gospel. We've got to kind of share that wherever we go. Really appreciate you listening to the program. Tune into The Faith Explained tomorrow for an interesting discussion about whether or not, was Jesus really born in a cave? Talk about hospitality. Maybe not. Maybe the people uh, of Palestine were a little bit more hospitable to the Holy Family than we think. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That and much more in our Jesus 101 series tomorrow on The Faith Explained. Keep it locked on Relevant Radio for the rest of the night. Tim Reese coming up. Family Rosary with Father Rocky. Check it out. Let's pray together this evening. Patrick Alog, Purdue, sitting in for Jim Shaper. Miranda Sinaceros took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.